Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Ecclesiastes 2, um, we're going to start in verse 12. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can a man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to a fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. I hated all my toil, in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labor under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man for all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This, is, this also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. All right. Thank you. Wordy passage. Um, stay with me today. Uh, so here's the a bunch of kids went back to school this week. Yeah. Well, so, so it, it led me to, to this, um, which is the reality for most of us, right? Um, I saw the social media. I participated in the social media with the kids going back to school. Here they are. And then for, for the rest of us adults, like, do, do, are we feeling this? Okay? This is, this is kind of us. Um, I, I did that because today we're actually, we're, we're going to talk through this passage, but we're going to talk mostly about work. There was a word that Meg read over and over again out of this passage, and the word was toil. We are going to come to that. But before we do, I want, I, here's how today's going to go, okay, a little bit unique. Um, we're going to, this is going to be heavy teach and, and light on the preach today, okay? We're going to do a ton of review. It's going to be a long review, but I think it's going to help uh, I just want to make sure the groundwork work is laid. Now, I do this because Daniel and I are, are pretty different dudes. That's why we work so well together. Daniel loves living in the gray, asking a, question, asking a question, sitting kind of in the tension, and he kind of likes just to live his life there. That's how he's wired. I'm like, I need you to make sense of this for me. 
Okay, like I, I, I'm a good, I'm pretty good with black and white, but this gray stuff I would like to be cleared up. Okay, and I think both of those are good. I don't know that either one of us are wrong. It's just how we're wired. So today is more for those black and white thinkers here. Hopefully, I may make it cloudier. Who knows? But we're going to pray and ask the Lord uh, to, to just uh, to, to help us here. Okay, so we know that Solomon was the overseer of this passage, whether he wrote it or not. Whatever, there was a preacher who wrote it, but trust me, the preacher didn't write it. Without Solomon knowing about it, he was the king, right? He oversaw the writing of this. Daniel, twice now, uh, in our first two weeks, he has brought up some words. And I want to review those words. The word vanity. Some of your versions might say meaningless. But I think more important than the word vanity and meaningless is the word Daniel brought up called hevel. You're going to see that word a lot. And what I would like for you to do from now on when you read Ecclesiastes is when you see vanity... Don't go to meaningless. When you see meaningless, don't go to vanity. When you see either one, I want you to go to hevel. And I'll explain that in a minute. Another phrase in Ecclesiastes is under the sun. What I would ask is that from here forward, as you are reading Ecclesiastes, when you see that phrase, almost every time, not 100%, almost every time you could pull it out and then insert apart from God. So when you're reading Ecclesiastes, when you see under the sun, insert apart from God. That will work most of the time for you. If you're like me, when you read Ecclesiastes, I dig the book, obviously it's in the Bible, but there are times when I've read it most of the time and I've just been like, Lord, this seems like it just accidentally got slipped in here into your word. It's it's that unique. Like, does this belong in the Bible? And I think I want to help us with that today. And what I want to do is I want to talk about the original audience at first. There's a guy in our church that he turned me on. Uh, he pointed me to this um, um, nerdy Old Testament scholar guy, still alive, who wrote his dissertation on Ecclesiastes. And I, and I was looking at that, and I'm like, okay, this actually kind of makes some sense. Will it make sense to you? I don't know. I hope that it does. But let's look at the original audience, which would have been God's chosen people, Yeah. Are you with me? All right. So, so these are, uh, this is Israel people. And what you have to know is, is, is they would have known their history better than we know our history. They would have known their history. Specifically, they would have known the Torah. Okay. And included in that would be the stories of Genesis that Moses uh, would have written. And these stories would have been etched in their memory. How do I know? Because that's just how it went. There was no television. There was no NFL. There was no reality TV. There was no entertainment per se. But what they would do is they would come together and they would hear the stories of their past. It was a way that they were taught God's word, but it was also, it was also an entertaining scene. One of the stories that they've been super familiar with would have been the story of Cain and Abel. Who's heard of it? Okay, the story of Cain and Abel. This is in Genesis chapter 4. We're not going to go there. I'm just going to cut it down for you. Cliff noted, Abel brings a sacrifice to God, and so does Cain. Here's the issue. Abel's Abel's sacrifice was acceptable. Cain's was rejected. Cain didn't like it. So what does he do? He kills Abel. Cain kills Abel. Abel brought the acceptable sacrifice to God. And Genesis 4 tells us Abel's life was cut short. But Cain went on to live a long 
and a protected slash prosperous life. You can read it for yourself. And when you read the story in Genesis 4, because it's short, you're like, excuse me? Like, this is weird. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't seem right. Cain does what's wrong. Abel does what's right. Abel's murdered. Cain lives a long life. That's backwards from the way we think that it should go. I don't understand this. There doesn't seem to be any meaning behind this. And something that doesn't have meaning is something that is hard to understand. I don't understand why. Now let's back up. The word that is translated to meaningless or the word that is translated to vanity is the word hevel. The Hebrew name for Abel is hebel. And they didn't distinguish back then between the B sound and the V sound. Are you with me? It doesn't make sense. And when the original audience would have heard this from Ecclesiastes, Hevel, 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 all is Hevel, their minds would have went, Abel, Abel. Doesn't make sense. In Ecclesiastes, it's going to tell us things. It's going to ask us questions and it's going to say, all of this is smoke. All of this is hevel. This is a book of question. 31 times the preacher leaves us with a question. As you read this book, I want your mind to think this preacher is a philosophy teacher teaching to a classroom full of wisdom seekers. Get your mind there when we're in this book. The thing about the questions that are asked by the preacher is is he asks the kinds of questions that we don't enjoy. He asks us the kind of questions that actually expose us and expose our hearts. This is a hard book to teach or preach through because it's not like you can just go verse by verse. It's, It's weird. Now, why is that? It's hard to teach wisdom literature verse by verse. This is included in wisdom literature. What is wisdom literature trying to do? What is it that God has wisdom literature do for us? It's, it's telling us we want you to be something and then to not be something. Specifically, I want you to be wise and I don't want you to be a fool. It's kind of an over, overarching theme in wisdom literature. And we know that wisdom is a skill. Many of you are skilled in an area Wisdom is the same thing. It takes practice. It takes work to become skilled in wisdom. It's not about how intelligent you are. So what is a fool? A fool is someone who rejects and resists God's work in his or her life. We want to be wise, Hill City. Amen? We want to be wise. We want to be the right kind of people who make the right decisions, who have considered all the right questions. And Ecclesiastes helps us with this. Now, if you're, if you're not like into poetry or Proverbs or, th- or, or things like that, let me just help you. You are. You just may not know it. So a lot of our lives are managed around 
modern proverbs. Here are some examples. Actions speak louder than words. It's a proverb. It's wisdom. Better late than never. Okay, see, now, now, now we're just do a little quiz. You help me out. All that glitters is not? Good. Truth is stranger than? And absence makes the heart grow? Right? Listen, this is, this is modern Proverbs. Modern Proverbs that we understand and go, okay, that makes sense most of the time. Yeah, that, that, that's true almost all the time. Okay, now stay with me. We're still in review. I'm still laying groundwork here just to help the black and white thinkers here. Now I'm going to oversimplify what I'm getting ready to do. Okay, just I get it. You can shred me if you are, uh, I mean, I make it easy for you, okay? But I'm going to just try to keep this as basic as I can. Four types of passages, right, in the Bible. Wherever you're reading in the Bible, it should fit basically under these kind of four slots, right? We have narrative passages. That's, that kind of speaks for itself. You guys can figure out what that is. Then we have law. You might be reading somewhere in the Bible, and it's law. And I'll, I'll review these here in a minute. Then you have promise. You might be reading in Scripture. It's a promise, and you may have a proverb. These are just types of genre. Now, we have what's called Leadership Institute of this church. Anybody heard of it? Okay, Leadership Institute, we, we, we learn this stuff in that Leadership Institute. Guess what? You can register for that right now. That's not just something for college students. And you can jump in and we dive in and learn about genre and scripture. And it helps us understand the Bible. Okay? But, so we have narrative. We know what that is. Law. That's when you're reading. This is, okay, this is a command from God that I, that I must obey all the time. Okay? And, and really it's best and it's written for all people at all times. You should obey this. And you have a promise. This is a guarantee from God that will always be true. And then a proverb is this short description about the way things generally go in the world. Okay, let me give you some examples. And you can maybe shout out what you think it might be. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Law. Obey that all the time. It's best that all people at all times obey that. Love your neighbor. Law. You should always love your neighbor. Okay, here we go. How about this? Nothing will separate us from the love of God. That's a promise. He says it. He means it. I will never leave you or forsake you, Jesus says. What's that? It's a promise. Don't care how you feel. He will never leave you or forsake you. How about this? He who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Sorrow is better than laughter. Okay, listen. So, so, so is sorrow better than laughter 100% of the time? Okay, because here's the deal. We, we've had people in this church, uh, this is an example. Maybe they've battled cancer, right? And they went through all the treatments and they get to ring the bell because the Lord took care of Like, they beat it. They beat cancer. They get to ring a bell. And their family's there, and they're laughing, and it's awesome. And in that moment, some idiot goes, well, you know, sorrow's better than laughter. You would never do that. Right? You see what I mean? And, and it, so here's why I'm telling you. So you're going to find some contradictory ideas in Ecclesiastes. You do in Proverbs. Another thing that we learn in Leadership Institute, there's no, there are no contradictions in Scripture. They seem to be, but there, there seems to be some, but there aren't. 
Let me give you an example. Generally, Solomon's like, I hate, I hate work, but there's nothing better to do than enjoy it. We'll unpack that in a minute. And he's basically like, everything's going to leave you empty. It's all smoke. Money, money is going to leave you empty. But then later on, we're going to find in later weeks, he's like, actually, money is, answers everything. Which one is it? He can go back to Proverbs, which Solomon did write. And, and this, is, this is the crazy one. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 4, and then verse 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Okay, so I'm not going to answer a fool. Oh, wait a minute. Verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. What? It seems contradictory, yeah? It's not. It's saying, listen, you got to have the wisdom to know when to do which one. You see what I mean? So we don't look at scripture and go, well, there he goes. You can't trust the Bible. It's contradictory. No, it isn't. But Solomon does these things to get us to think. That's what's, gonna ha- that's what's happening all throughout Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes will do this. It will push us to see truth and some contradictions and frustrations. And these questions that I would hope you started wrestling with as Daniel presented the first two weeks. And I hope you're still wrestling with the day. I hope you continue to wrestle with them. These questions that are presented, they're not the fun ones. It's like, does what I am doing in my life really matter? That's not a fun question to explore. Like, what am, is, is what I'm doing, am I gaining anything? Like, what is the reward for my toil? Is all this worth it? Those are great questions. And throughout Ecclesiastes, we've done it the first two weeks. We're going to look at one, another one today. You, he's in and out of, of sort of three areas. He's in and out of pleasure. He's in and out of wisdom. He's in and out of work. So, so verse 12 through 17 that, that Meg just read, right? He talks about, that, that's more about wisdom, the folly and wisdom. Now he says, look, it's better to be wise than to be a fool. Yes, Solomon says that. But here's the deal. The, the, wise get, the, the guy who is wise, the, the woman who is wise, goes to the same place that the, that the guy who's a fool goes to at the end. But, but wisdom's better than foolishness. And you got to remember, too, this original audience did not know anything of Jesus. All right? That's going to be important here in a minute. But, but he's saying, verse 12 through 17, he's like, listen, you can run whatever race you want to run. Pursue wisdom. Pursue everything you want to pursue. I've done it. And it all ends the same. Go get more education. It's not going to answer the questions that you have deep in your heart. That's what, that's what Solomon tells us. Go work harder. Get the, get, get the best job you can possibly get. Make all the money you want to make. It's not going to answer the questions that you have deep in here. Solomon said, I ran the experiment. You don't have to do this. I ran it for you. This is the reality. And he dives into this where he's talking about work. And I want to talk about work. Because here's the reality. Before sin entered this world, work was here. Work is a good thing. God invented work. 
Work is God's idea, and you should work. We're made to work. Okay, now listen, we're going to talk about money. Today's not the money one. We're going to talk about it. But I just need to let you know this. This is my opinion. This is not the stance of the church. I'm just going to give you my opinion here, okay? I don't think there's such thing as making too much money. I just don't. Okay? There are evil ways to make money. There are wrong ways to make money. But, but what, if, what if a man or woman is honest and they're just working hard and... I just don't think that. There are a lot of rich people all over the Bible. We're going to talk about it on another day in October. So, so I don't, don't confuse when I'm talking about work. We'll talk about money later. I'm just talking about the, the act of work. Here's what I want you to know today. You need to work. Like get a job. If you can. I'm not saying if you're in a tight spot right now, there's trouble. But by and large, get a job. And here's what we're seeing in Solomon, the second half of chapter 2, is that we are all in a race. Life is this race. This work is a race. But this is, that rea- this is the real stuff that like uh, uh, Solomon, he, he, he's so real, it's like, why did you have to say that? So in other words, he says this, this is a race, you're in a race, here's the deal. You can do it well, you can do it poorly, you can do it wise, you can do it foolishly. We're all in a race and at the finish line waits a casket. That's the reality. College students, a few of you here. Um, you don't really know this yet, but the race just sped up for you big time. <laughs> uh, young families, like a lot of new married people, a lot of people been married five to six, seven years. You've got little babies. The race just sped up for you big time. Right? How many of you, like, you, you know sports, right? And you have athletes that go from high school to college and they're like, and that, to play a sport. What's, what do they always say the major difference is? The speed of the game. And then you have college athletes that go to the, the big leagues or the pros and they're like, well, what is the biggest difference? The speed of the game. That is life. You don't realize it yet, but the speed of the race toward the, the casket has increased big time. And Ecclesiastes calls this race something. We heard it a ton in this passage. We heard it last week. And here it is. Toil. That's the description of the race. It's toil. 22 times we see that word in Ecclesiastes. And we need to know this. Toil entered the world when sin entered the world. See, Adam and Eve, right? You guys know the story. Genesis, they, they sinned, and there's something that God told them because he put them on the earth to work. Pre-sin, their job was to work. And then they sinned, and here's what God says. Your, the ground, your work is now cursed. So kind of in a way, our work still today remains cursed. Most of us don't work the ground. Now the original audience, they would have totally understood this because they would have understood agriculture and planting and pruning and all. Here's the deal. That was essential to their survival. We, we go to 
neighborhood Walmart to get our groceries. They didn't. They would have understood this. We need to know when we're hearing this word heaven, when we're hearing this word toil about our work, Solomon just angers him about the toil of the work. Pre-sin, the ground didn't win against man. Post-sin, the ground started to win. The ground started to win the battles. In other words, instead of just work and doing exactly what we're made to do, toil now became the name of the game. Don't raise your hand. How's work? Most of us are going to get up in the morning and we're going to go to work. And we're going to do the same thing that we did last Monday. And... And the same problems are going to come up that we solved last week or the week before. And we solved them, and they didn't go away. They just keep coming back. And we're going to do the same the next Monday and the next Monday. Monday, And it's going to be over and over and over again. And here's the reality, guys. This isn't just true of our paid jobs. This is true of all of our work. Anybody mow grass? It's like, I mowed this a week ago. I killed those weeds two days ago. And they're back. The machine I used to do it, I fixed it last week. Why do I have to fix it again this week? I thought I took care of that. Maybe maybe you don't mow grass. Do we have any parents in the house? Parenting? Now, I was kind of proud of him in this moment. He climbed up to get his baseball glove. But, but like, so, so here's, here's how this went in my house. Brody, buddy, don't, don't climb up there anymore. And he said, okay, Daddy, and he never did anything wrong again. That's how it went. Listen to me, no. It was something else that needed to be corrected. And then it was something else that needed to be corrected. And it was something else that needed to be corrected. Why? It's parenting, it's toil, it's work. Any any parent lose sleep over their kids? Am I the only one? If you're a parent, you've lost sleep over your kids. You know why? It's work. Even at night, the heart doesn't rest, Solomon says. That's, that's the reality for your parents. Even if you're in college, listen, that's the reality for your parents. Your parents' hearts don't rest. It's work. They're worried about you. They want the best for you. It's toil. See, the ground became cursed in Genesis, and we're still dealing with the ramifications. And Ecclesiastes reminds us of this. Under the sun, the ground still wins. We work 40 hours, which is a light week, college students. Just know that. 50 hours, 60 hours, 70 hours. And in the end, Solomon says, good job. The ground is still going to win. We're all going 
to a casket. And what's going to happen after we're in that casket? We're going to be put where? Into the ground to be swallowed up by the ground. And he says in this passage, your stuff doesn't go with you. Your success doesn't go with you. Your money doesn't go with you. Furthermore, it's probably going to go to some fool that's going to ruin it. That's the reality. But yet we still work tirelessly, paid and unpaid, thinking in our minds that we can straighten something out that is crooked. Remember Ecclesiastes chapter 1? So what do we do with this? What do we do with this passage? I hated all my toil, Solomon says. 2020. The smoke of wisdom, the smoke of work. What do we do with this today? I'm just going to give you two things, okay? And just sort of leave it up to you. Look at verse 24. Psalm says, I mean, verse 18, he hated all his toil. But then he says, there's nothing better for a person than he should eat, drink, and find enjoyment in his toil. Now, let me clear something up. Because you can read that passage, and I just want you to know this. Some, uh, uh, you can write, read commentaries that say, actually the word better wasn't in the original Hebrew writing, but that somebody that knew Hebrew super well came along and added it to help add some understanding to this passage. So you can read it a couple different ways, right? You can read it like this. Originally, this is, they're saying this is how it would have been read. There, there's nothing in a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Or there's nothing better for a person than he should eat, drink, and find enjoyment in his toil. So which one's right? I would say this, both of them. I think both of them are right. Here's the reality. Number one, there is nothing in you. Take the word better out that wasn't in the original Hebrew writing. There is nothing in you that will cause you to find enjoyment in your toil. But there's nothing better that you can do than to eat, drink, and find enjoyment in your toil. Which then points us to the second thing. So I think, number one, both of them are right. Don't, don't think for a minute that there's something inside of you that will cause you to feel and think and act correctly. It's not. It's outside of you. And the only way that you can do the thing that there's nothing better than, which is eat, sleep, and drink, and enjoy your toil, is if you're doing that in light of number two, which is Jesus let our toil point us to Jesus. Now, again, I want to just reiterate this. The writer of this and the original audience of, of this, they didn't know about Jesus. But at the end of this, I'm not spoiling, you can, you, you can read ahead, but like at the end of this, Solomon's like, listen, here, here's, where, here's all that matters, that you fear God and you keep his commandments. But listen, go to the original audience. They'd have been like, okay, keep keeping his commandments. Do, do you, have you read Leviticus? Have you seen the sacrificial system? Okay, this sacrifice for this, this sacrifice for this. Okay, we're going to do this one for this, this one for this, blood ever. Listen, it's a picture of toil. And 
I don't want to read Jesus into the text. I don't know that Ecclesiastes allows me uh, to do that. But unlike Solomon or the preacher who wrote this, I know the ending of the story. And so do you. Someone had to come and straighten what was made crooked. Let's say it this way. Someone had to come and let the ground know it doesn't continue to get the W's. Someone had to come and go through the ultimate toil so that I didn't have to. Hebrews says it like this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You want to know another word for endured the cross? For the joy that was set before him, he toiled on the cross. Okay, listen, Solomon's dad was David. His bones are still in the ground somewhere on this planet. The ground swallowed him up. Solomon. The son of David, his bones are still in the ground somewhere on this planet. But there's another son of David. You guys, you guys know that's, that's a phrase and a name for Jesus, right? There's another son of David and the ground swallowed him up one day in the form of a tomb. But the ground didn't get the W. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And because of what happened in that moment, he went to the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. And from that moment on in history, the ground doesn't win anymore. Okay, listen to me. Unless you're under the sun... Now, what are we subbing out under the sun with? Say it loud with me. The ground still wins under the sun. So listen, this hevel that we talk about, here's what we have to do, church, believers, followers of Jesus. We have to let the hevel, the hevel is a gift. We have to see hevel as a gift. C.S. Lewis says it like this. If we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. When we see the hevel, we need to be reminded this isn't how it ends. So what world? What world, C.S. Lewis? Well, Jesus answered that for us. My world, my kingdom. Daniel's talked about this in the first two. This upside down kingdom that Jesus came and created. Jesus says, that's all that's left. He goes, furthermore, let me tell you something about this kingdom. You're going to seek all this stuff. Go ahead, seek wisdom. Go to work. Seek great work. Seek a great career. Seek money. Seek pleasure. Do all that's fine. But here's what Jesus says to do. Seek me first. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Amen. 
Here's what I hope you do. Let's go back to Abel in the Bible. So that name Abel, the, the way names worked in Hebrew is like they very much were your identity. Right? We name kids now because it sounds cool. Right? That's not how it worked back then, man. Abel, Abel would have known his name. And, and here's what I mean by that. I think it's not too much to say Abel would have embraced his name. Slash understood his name, maybe. That's a better way to say it. I would call us to this, church. I want you to understand pleasure apart from God. Understand it. I want you to understand wisdom, what wisdom is apart from God. I want you to understand what work is apart from God. I want you to like able to understand yourself apart from God. Because Abel brought an acceptable sacrifice to God. Why? I think he understood. I'm just smoke. I'm just smoke. He's the one. And it caused him to bring the acceptable sacrifice to his creator. Check this. Hebrews 11.4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts. Listen, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Who still speaks? Hevel? Oh, Abel? Let all the Hevel speak. And may our faith be strengthened. I'll leave you with the words out of Mark. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? May the hevel of this world speak and may it point us to Jesus. Let's pray.